September 21st, 2019. Weather's nice, about 14 degrees Celsius. I'm feeling good, kind of nervous, kind of got a shit. I'm standing with 5,000 people in front of the town hall in Oslo, Norway. And we're about to run a 42-kilometer marathon. This is the story behind the marathon. Okay, so um, this is, uh, as I said, the story behind the marathon, um, and I thought I'd talk about uh, why I ran it, because I still really don't know, uh, how I trained, people's opinion before the race, how it went, and uh, of course the aftermath, which uh, I found very interesting, because, you know, uh, I'd never done it before. So, uh, so why did I run a marathon five days ago why would anyone run a marathon because it's 42 kilometers the average time is about four hours and 20 minutes so you're at least running for that uh the disqualification time is six hours so you have to do it in at least six so you're looking at four and a half to six hours of running and um you know depending on the weather i mean it could be i could be nice i was pretty lucky uh, it was about 14 degrees Celsius when we started, and it ended up being around 20, so it was quite hot, actually. Uh, but really, why would anyone do that, you know? I mean, you can get a, you can knock off a couple of audio books, some podcasts, some music, but, you know, four or five, six hours, you know, what are you doing? Uh, and, you know, I guess it's a therapeutic thing, and I did kind of experience that. Um, but I had no ambitions of running a marathon. I mean, let's be honest, it... it it kind of sucked, uh, but I did it, and I'll tell you why. So let's go back to 2018, August 2018. I'm at work with two of my close friends and colleagues, Matthias and Bendik, and we're talking about, uh, well, I don't really know what we were talking about. I think we were talking about uh, uh, training and, like, things you could do because, you know, uh, things you can do and can't do, and uh, somehow a marathon came up. Uh and, you know, I happened to say, well, that shouldn't be that bad. Anyone can run a marathon, I said. You know, not really knowing how far it was or anything. I just, you know, had heard about it. And, you know, they start laughing, like, what are you talking about? I was like, yeah, you guys can probably run a marathon, too. I mean, it must be all in the brain, the brainage. It must be all in the head, you know, uh, psychology thing. And, you know, they're laughing, like, no, they're like, why would you be able to run a marathon? And I thought, okay, here, my reasoning was that uh, two years prior, a year prior, uh, I'd run a half marathon, also kind of on a bet against these guys. Not really a bet, but it was like, um, it was just, uh, you had to run, it was a charity event uh, where you had to run for those who can't. So every, uh, I guess, kilometer you got wa was e equivalent to some X amount of, of dollars or kroner that would go to the research of um, uh, of people with spinal injuries. So it was like a good cause. Uh, and I don't remember if they didn't think I could do it, but one of us had to do it because it had to do with our work, kind of. Uh, so I did it. And at the time, I was really not in shape. This was my fourth year at uni. Uh, so, you know, I'd be partying. I'd been partying my tits off for a couple of years. And, uh, but, you know, I stay active. I do other things, but it wasn't like in the gym or out running or anything. And I finished that race uh, in t just over two hours. 
so I thought, okay, if I can do a half marathon in two hours, in my mind, I, w- I told them, I said, I think, uh, you know, two years later when we were talking about this, I can run a marathon in probably twice that plus some change, right? So I was thinking like 4.10 maybe. And when I said this, you know, they're laughing even more. And they're like, well, how do you, you know, why do you think you can do that? And I thought, well, you know, it's just twice the distance. And I mean, yeah, you get tired and your bones, I, I mean, you know, you start hurting. But uh, it should just be keeping the same pace, right foot, left foot, right foot, left foot, uh, and just kind of suppressing the pain. Uh, so anyway, this turned into a bet. They, they said there's no way you can run a marathon, meaning uh, that I jog the entire way and don't stop. Because, you know, uh, most people, I think, can complete a marathon. Six hours, like, that's like running half of it and then walking. Like, you can almost speed walk that. It would just be hella boring. Uh, so what did we do? We calculated out the, the slowest uh, speed you can have that is classified a, a jog or jogging, uh, which happens to be like an international standard. Well, what am I saying? Google said that it was a uh, 9.77 kilometers an hour. That's like the slowest speed you can run. I mean, jog anything slower than that. It's considered walking fast. Uh, so I go, okay, I believe I can keep that uh, or jog the whole thing at, you know, then I guess that speed. So that calculates out to be, if you have that speed for a marathon, which is 42 point something kilometers, uh, it ends up being four hours, 25 minutes and 30 seconds. So that was the time. So my two buddies are like, there's no effing way you can do that. And, uh, and my point was I can do that. And my point was also that an average person should be able to do that in my mind. That should be possible. Um, so, and I mean, I guess now in these days, I don't, you know, the society we live in now, maybe I don't represent the average, uh, male or, or female in the sense of, uh, uh, how active I am, uh, or doing activities. Like I don't go to the gym, but I do, you know, skate once or twice a week, play, play a little tennis. I like to like do things. Uh, and I might also go for a run maybe once a week for like 20 minutes or 25 minutes. Uh, I feel like that's kind of average, but I mean, in hindsight, I guess it's it's a bit above, but I felt like I represented the people, you know? So so this time I would be running for those who can, not those who, who can't, which was what I did a couple years earlier. So anyway, time goes by. I'm not, this is August 2018. The race is a year from then. Uh, we kind of forgot about it. And then I guess a couple months ago, we started talking about it again. And I was like, well, I'm still doing it. And then, you know, we get into the details and I find out it costs money to enter, which I thought was weird. Uh, And I was like, nah, come on. And then we ended up, the deal was they'll pay for my ticket because they 100% did not believe I could do it within this time. They pay for the ticket, ticket, which was like a hundred bucks, 800 kroner, 900 kroner. Um, And then if I made it uh, within that time frame, four hours, 25 minutes and 30 seconds, uh, I wouldn't have to pay them back. And then if I, you know, went over that time, I'd have to pay them back. So that was the original bet. And then, you know, we start talking and then we got some other incentives. So, for example, one of the incentives was that if I, uh, if I uh, ran under 4.15, there was, a, you know, a 10-minute incentive there uh, for Bendik to donate money to a charity of my choosing. And then if I ran over 10 minutes over, so 4.35, I would have to donate that money to a charity of his choosing. Uh, so we had these different incentives, right? 
And uh, I was not allowed to work out. Well, I was, but I wasn't going to, right? So, you know, it's about a month and a half away. And, uh, I'm, you know, they're starting to just, you know, they're finding it very funny because they're like, you know, you have to train for six months, eight months to run a, run a marathon. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, and then anyway, 30 days out, I was kind of like, okay, I should probably start start working out now. So 30 days before... So about about a month ago, I was like, all right, let's start, you know, eating a little better and going for some runs because um, the longest I had ever run was 21 kilometers, which was which was uh, which is half a marathon, which I did like two years, three years earlier, which sucked, by the way. Like I did that shit in two hours, but I had blisters everywhere, rashes everywhere. I remember take I remember walking home. I passed the finish line and, you know, people were like, oh, congrats. Uh, I ate a bunch of food. I ate all the bananas and the apples uh, and the oranges that were at the desk, chugged all the water, uh, went to a 7-Eleven, got two hot dogs, shoved those down my face, and I just walked home. Walked home, and I remember showering with my clothes on. And I think I just did that because I was so drained for energy that I didn't even want to take them off. I don't know. I remember being very, very bummed, and the next day it sucked even more. Uh, so, yeah, that was <coughs> that was that. But I was still pretty confident that like you can just sort of push through push through all of that um so anyway 30 days out i start uh, working out uh and uh i'm not gonna go through all of that but within the 30 days of the marathon i ran a total of maybe uh, eight or nine times so like every three days um and uh, the longest i ran was an hour and a half or an hour and 40 minutes which is around 18k which is almost half of a marathon which I was pretty pleased with. I was like, okay, this is almost half. This was uh, decent. I'm not going to, you know, why run anymore? Like I'm going to be running three t- twice this, three times this in, in, in a couple weeks. And then the shortest I ran was like 20 minutes. So the, it totaled out to be like six hours and 25 minutes of running. Uh, I also noted uh, during my 30-day 30 tr- 30 training schedule my um, drinking habits because I do like to go out. Um, and writing down how much you drink. I don't know if you, you know, if you party, like you don't really think about how much you drink and how much you go out. But because I was doing this 30 day training thing, I was like, okay, let me write it down. And, uh, it was kind of depressing. <laughs> I, in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm s- stepping back a little bit from going out and, and drinking alcohol. But then when I would look at this thing every week, I was like, oh shit, like five beers here, seven beers there, a couple beers here. So I don't remember what that was, but I think it emasculated to like 30 beers, a couple of whiskeys, whatever, in 30 days. It wasn't that bad, but a couple of the Saturdays I was out until like 4 a.m., 6 a.m. So that's kind of the worst part, I think, is the sleeping. But again, I wanted to represent an average person. I, I didn't want to change anything. I wanted to. The whole deal was that you can kind of just live your life and, and do this. Uh, so, yeah, about a week before I ran, uh, uh, these two guys made a Facebook event. Uh, which was called Can Andre Run, or no, Andre Runs a Marathon. And then in the bio, kind of explaining all of this that I just went through um, and uh, and invited all of our friends, right? And it was like, we don't believe he can do this. He believes he can do this. Uh, let's all get together at like 0.35 kilometers, which is supposed to be the worst part, uh, and watch him see his face because I think in their mind they were thinking uh, I would be distraught and maybe I wouldn't even have made it that far 
so that kind of turned into a whole thing, which I thought was kind of fun. And uh, that's when I realized that they weren't the only two that didn't believe in this. So out of everyone in that group and, you know, all my friends and family that, that got word of this, there were honestly only f four, maybe five people that were like, yeah, you can do that. Like, it's going to suck, but, but you can do that. Um, and that was like my brother, one of my colleagues, um, not even my mother thought I could do it. The fr she did eventually, but the first time she was like, no, no, don't do that. Um, so, uh, so this turned, uh, again, this turned into a thing in the group and then, uh, you know, people made some side bets. It kind of became a thing. They would post, you know, my training regimen or schedule, which I honestly thought was decent. If I didn't have any input from the outside world, you know, I was very confident going into this. I was thinking I can do this in 4.10, maybe, you know, two times two, two times two hours, plus, you know, plus a little extra. And my whole training schedule, I was like, yeah, I'll start working out 30 days before. And I, I kind of felt like I was doing good. But everyone was like, what are you doing? Not just these two guys. You know, you got to run more. You got to run a 3K at least three times. You got to do this. You got to do that. You can't be drinking. You got to sleep, eat a bunch of carbs and drink a lot of water, which I did towards the end. But uh, there, there was just a lot of negativity. And this actually got to me. So a couple days before the race, uh, I was kind of starting to feel pressure up until this point. I was pretty confident I could do it easily, like within that time. And then a like three days before, just all the... I guess the naysayers and, and uh, you know, the whole Shazam started making me doubt myself. And I was like, damn, can I do it in this time? And then I started thinking, like, what if I don't make it in this time? Like, it's going to be horrible and so embarrassing. So I asked my mom to contact her cousin, Uncle, um, uncle John. He's not really my uncle. I guess he's her cousin's uncle something in the family who I know has run several marathons. And I said, can you get him to call me because I want some pointers. And I kind of wanted like a confidence boost, I guess. And uh, and so he called me, right? And uh, he calls me and I'm, I'm kind of expecting him to be like, good for you and all of this, you know, all this stuff. Give me some pointers. And basically, he says hi. I say hi. He goes, is it true what you're doing? And I say, yes, sir, it is. Well, what have you heard? that you're running a marathon. And I said, no, I'm running a marathon in 425.30. And the next 15 minutes, I was unable to get a word out because, um, yeah, I mean, Uncle John basically tore me a new asshole. Uh, he's run 17 marathons. He's entered 23, so he's jumped out of, like, five of them due to injury. And now he does, like, ultra marathons. Like, he's a savage, super savage. I think he's run a marathon in, like, three hours or something. So this is, like, a very fit guy. And a fellow marathonee. And he's basically telling me, please, cousin, do not do this. Do not do this. How far is it away? Three days? Absolutely not. How much have you trained? How much have you run? What's the furthest you've run? Six hours? Abs absolutely not. He was begging me to not enter because he was afraid I was going to injure myself permanently. Which honestly kind of affected me like I was not that confident before the call and that's kind of why I wanted him to call but uh hearing him again and again I go I go Uncle John this is happening this is happening. he goes no no there's no shame he's like put your ego away there's no shame in canceling and then I'll give you an eight-month plan of how you can prep for the next year 
And he kept talking about next year. Think about next year. And then he was also like, don't think about a time. Your first marathon, you should run, you know, without thinking about it, the time. And then he was also talking about how, how fun marathons are and how fun they're supposed to be. And, you know, the people you meet on the way and all of this. And in my mind, I hadn't thought about it like that. I was thinking, like, this is just something you want to get. You know, you just want to get through and and uh, and get finished, you know, finish it. So, yeah, I don't know. After, you know, after like 15 minutes, I finally was like, listen, I'm doing this no matter what you say. And uh, I got 72 hours. So you want to give me some pointers. So he ended up giving me, you know, he was pretty di- he was pretty disappointed. Uh, but, uh, you know, he told me to eat carbs and, and drink water. And then uh, right before he left, uh, he also said, uh, I-, I believe he said, please don't do this. Like I was like, bye. Love you. Um, so. At this point, my confidence is actually kind of down. I'm, I'm doubting myself. I'm like, damn it, can I do this? So I go for a run, a short run, 20 minutes, and I kind of got my energy back. So for some reason in my head, like if I can do a 20-minute jog without really getting too tired, I'm thinking I could do four and a half, half hours, no problem, which I guess is a good mindset to have. I mean, you'd rather, you know, you'd rather try something difficult and get disappointed from failure than, than being too afraid to do it or have, you know, have too much of a pessimistic attitude. Uh, so, yeah, this was uh, the people's opinion or some of the people's opinion. Um, and so the day before, I'm eating a bunch of carbs, I'm drinking a lot of water, which I'm eating way more than I'm supposed to. So Uncle John told me to, like, eat even though you're full. Just eat a bunch of food even though you're full. And I did. And, you know, I had to, I w- you know, I was constantly just eating, drinking water and, and shitting basically like way more than usual. So I was kind of uh, f- uh, fattening up. Uh, and then the day before, all I listened to was um, like Navy SEALs and uh, and stuff like that on Joe Rogan's podcast who were like, you know, these badass motherfuckers, David Godgins and shit uh, who like, uh, you know, ran a marathon at 300 pounds, broke both their feet midway, but completed it, uh, you know, did like. 24,000 pull-ups in an hour or some shit. Uh, and I guess just had this like killer be killed attitude, which is kind of what I needed. Cause I was, I was up there and then I let the naysayers kind of bring me down. So I kind of blocked out all the noise and, uh, yeah, for a while there, I'm pretty sure I thought I was the shit. My confidence was pretty high. Uh, go to bed early, wake up and you know, I'm nervous. I get there. I, w- I wake up. You're supposed to eat a big breakfast. It really doesn't matter what you eat. Just as long as you eat a lot of food, so I had uh, three pieces of bread, three eggs, a smoothie, and a yogurt, I believe. Uh, and then you have to force out a Snickers, uh, which was fine, really. I woke up two hours before the race, finished my food an hour before the race, and then I headed on down. So it was like a 20-minute 20 tw- twenty bus ride. And I got there like half an hour before. You know, it's early. It's a Saturday. Most people are hungover from Friday. No one's really out and about, but it's packed, right? So I think there's a 10K, there was a half marathon, and a full marathon. Uh, the marathoners, the full marath- the people running the full marathon uh, were the first to go. We started at 9.30. I think there were like 5,000 of us, 6,000 of us. And then there were about 10,000 half marathoners maybe, and then 10 of the 10K. Now, maybe half that. I think there was a total of, um, of like 20,000 people. So there was a lot of people there. And they got the music going and you could kind of tell like everyone was nervous because like a lot of people were there alone. 
And, uh, you know, there were kind of two types of people there. There were the people who, like, looked like they were going to run a marathon. They'd done it before. They had the headband, the glasses. They were looking at their watch, even though the race didn't start for another 40 fucking minutes. Uh, and they kind of had this urgency in their, you know, just their demeanor. And then you had these other guys who I felt was kind of like me, other guys and girls, who were kind of alone. And you could just kind of see the nervousness in their eyes. Uh, and you could kind of tell they were, they really didn't want to be there. And I, I went up and talked to some of these people, uh, and I, you know, I was like, Hey, what are, what are you doing? He's like, um, oh, I'm here for a bit. I was like, oh, you too. What are you? He's like, yeah, I got a dude in four 30. I've been training for months and you know, just a lot of people were nervous and that actually helped me cause I was a bit nervous before the race. And then I just thought, you know, fuck it really. Cause you know, what are you going to do? The weather was nice. I had my, uh, I bought so I bought new shoes about a week before some boost ultra boost uh, which I feel like helped me a lot um, I was wearing a hooded Under Armour t-shirt which I kind of like running with a hoodie because uh, it kind of you know there was so much shit going on during the whole race you kind of just wanted to block it out or at least I did and then I'd also gotten um, like a fanny pack thing that you have around your waist because so the day before you have to go get your your starting number uh, you know in this tent outside the town hall and then they had you know all these different things you could buy like t-shirts and gels and uh, Some guy sold me these gels. He goes, what are you gonna? What are you gonna run full marathon? What are you gonna eat? And I said, I don't know the bananas and the water. He goes, no, 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 you need gels so I bought these um, six packs of like uh, uh, I guess carbs just gels filled with carbs and he's like take one of these every hour uh, so I buy them and then and then uh, on my way home, I'm like, where am I going to put these? So then I, I called my buddy and he said, you got to buy a belt. So I go to a, a sports store and I get kind of like a fanny pack belt for running. Uh, and of course, they were almost sold out because everyone had been there. So I had to go for the pink, the pink one, uh, which was fine. Um, and so I had, yeah, so I had this all strapped. I lubed myself up before the race, before I ate breakfast or anything, before I put my clothes on, I, I put uh, this sort of lube around, you know, my crotch area and under my arms. Uh, and on my nipples as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was ready when 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 we started. I was nervous, but then I started talking to you know I started talking to people, and then as soon as we started, I was kind of just like, you know, fuck it. So my uh, during the race, they have, I guess this is where it was kind of unknown territory, and and I mean up until this point, I think people know what to do, kind of. But uh, you know, once it starts. It's kind of weird because there's so many people. So like for the first minute, you're really not moving. You're just walking. Right. So you lose kind of time in the beginning because like, you know, the gun goes off and the, you know, the, the people I talked about earlier with the sunglasses and the and the watch and the uh, and the headband, they're all in the front and they, you know, they blast ahead. And then the, us other people are kind of in the back walking like. Uh, you know, just crashing into each other. And so the first first minute or two is just, you know, you start walking and then you kind of get got to get out of the herd. And there are um, flag bearers. I don't know what you would call them, but there's uh, people running that are a part of the race that have this big ass flag on their back with a time. So it says like three hours, three thirty, four, four fifteen, four thirty, four forty five, five. And uh, they're constantly regulating their speed. Uh, according to their watch, I guess, so that you can kind of follow them. So you always know, like, okay, this this pace is the pace I need to hold to to get in it. For example, four thirty. So I knew this ahead of time, and uh, the plan was, or the 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 tips from uh, from Bendik was to um, 
to find the 430 flag and kind of hang on to that guy and then at the end uh, push through to beat him by, you know, the five minutes I needed. And I guess that was my – when we first start, so okay, first of all, I forgot my watch. So I didn't have a watch, so I needed to find these guys. And in the beginning, I was kind of a little stressed out, so I completely forgot about them. So I start running, and then suddenly I'm like, oh, shit, I got to find the flag. The four-minute – I mean, four-hour flag is in front of me. So I'm like, shit, I'm going too fast. So I kind of slow down and wait for the 4.15 to pass. And then I wait for the 4.30 to catch up to me, and I, and I start running with him. And, you know, there's a huge bubble of people around each flagman. And it was – you know, it was kind of too slow. It was, it was more strenuous for me to run with this guy uh, than my regular pace because I kind of had to, sh you know, hesitate in my steps to keep that pace if I wanted to keep a, you know, keep a jog going. So my slowest, uh, the slowest 5K of my entire race was the first 5K because I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, do I follow this guy? I didn't know what to do. So after like three or four kilometers, I, I just said, you know what? Screw this. I'm not following any flags. I'm putting my headset in. I'm putting on some Tiesto. And I'm just going to run at my pace. And whenever I can't keep that pace anymore, I'll slow down. Which is uh, which is what I did. So I passed the 430 guy. I passed the 415 guy. Or I stayed right in front of him. That was kind of my, my pace. And I just thought, let me just keep this the whole way through. Um, and then we had begun. And... I wasn't expecting this. So there were a lot of like things that happened during the race. I really wasn't expecting any, you know, social aspect of the race. I just thought everyone was in their own mind and just really wanted to wanting to finish as soon as they could, right? Because I feel like everyone was like, "Why the fuck am I here? Why am I doing this?" But it really wasn't. So I thought I'd mention some of the things that went down. Uh, so very, very early on, I I see this guy in front of me and he throws out. So and let me also preface that at this point I'm kind of happy because I'm kind of like the, the the pressure's gone. I'm just like I'm just gonna run this race. It'll be fun, probably whatever. Uh, so you know I'm I'm having a good time and I see this guy in front of me and he throws out some chewing tobacco, snooze. Uh, and then he puts another one in and I'm like, what is this guy doing? So I run up to him and I go, hey man, what are you doing? And he's already tired, at like 5k, and he's like. I got, he's like, I have to, uh, constantly put chewing tobacco in my, you know, constantly have chewing tobacco in my mouth during the entire race. And I got to do it by four hours and 30 minutes. And he was like out of breath. <laughs> and I found that fascinating. Like, not that he was out of breath, but I was like, okay, I'm not the only one here doing some, you know, doing it for a bet or doing some stupid shit. So I was like, good luck, my friend. And then he kind of fell off. I never saw him again, but I mean, what a champion. I mean, I hope he finished. Uh, who knows? Uh, I keep running, and then I, f I see this guy in um, I see this guy in a lion mascot costume, kind of like Detroit Lions mascot costume, and it is hot. Like it was a hot day. There were no clouds. It was a nice day, and he's already sweating. And I'm like, "What are you doing?" And he was running for a charity, some charity, and for some reason the he was, I think he thought he would collect more money if he did it in a tiger suit. I think, I don't know, but he was sweating balls in there and um you know he was like what do you and he was actually from the military he was a lieutenant from the military so he was very kind of cordial and uh, uh what time are you trying to get in on sir and i go well i gotta beat 425 well he's like well you're ahead of 415 so you got this i go what about you he goes well i gotta get in by he's gonna try four, four hours so he's like i gotta go 
goes, I got to catch up. And he leaves. And boy, do we meet him again later. But that's a, in about 25 kilometers we meet him again. Um, yeah, so those are some of the people I met in the beginning. There were a lot of old people. Wait, like I think uh, the average age of a marathon or people running a marathon, you'd think it was like low, I mean, late 20s. But it's uh, mid to late uh, 30s, which I find fascinating, but which I quickly realized during the race. So like the average age, I think, is like 35, 36. Uh, you know, I'm 25, so I was like way, way young. Uh, and I was surprised by the amount of, uh, of yeah, like straight up old people. Like I for sure saw, saw someone that was like 75, maybe 80, um, and just keeping the pace, like shredded too. Not a lot of body fat. Um, well, who else did I meet? So yeah, the first I, the first 5K and the first 10K really was more kind of exciting because, you know, I started slow, tried to find my pace, and then oh yeah, every 5K you would uh, there was a water station where they would hand out um, you know there were these kids that were handing out cups of water and bananas, but I didn't take the bananas because I had my gels, and uh, I thought that was kind of cool because like I didn't want to stop. My whole goal was like I'm gonna do this without stopping, so I would kind of run past them and like the first two cups I would just smash in their faces, not on purpose, but like I couldn't grab them, and then the uh, you know, I'd finally get a cup. It was like half full. I, I chugged it really quick. And the first time I did this, I was kind of feeling myself uh, to some hip hop song. So I threw I threw the cup behind my head or over my shoulder. And I actually hit this older guy in the face, um, w which I quickly realized because he made a noise. And then we chatted for the next, I don't know, 500 meters. And uh, we made up. And then, yeah, we became friends. He wasn't mad or anything. It was just kind of funny. Uh, so the water stations were funny. And, uh, yeah, I think I hit my first gel pack. So you have to, when you eat the gel pack, you have to, uh, like, you just open it, suck it in, and then you have to down it with water. So if I saw a water station coming up, I would, I would get a pack. And, uh, you know, the reason for eating is because you, you burn so many calories. Like, it's insane. Like, I was full before the race, and an hour into the race, I'm starving. Like, actually starving. And these gels were amazing because I would chug a gel Ch or drink a gel, chug it with water, and within a minute, I was not full, but I wasn't hungry anymore. So um, those were really, really good. And I think the same thing would have happened with, like, a banana or something, but, you know, you'd have to peel it, chew it, swallow it. It's a bit cumbersome. Um, so, yeah, the first 10K were, were, were fun. That's when I hit my first gel at 10K. I did it every 10K. Uh, what else did I do? Oh, so I... Uh, Originally, Matias and Bendik wanted me to run with a chest mount, like a GoPro chest mount that they were going to fix, but they never did. So I just said, it's fine. I'll just live stream from my cell phone because I was running with my phone for music. Uh, I said, I'll just live stream. So I thought, I'll live stream every, every 10K. So I did it right before the race, and then I did it at the first 10K, and I don't really remember what I talked about, kind of just uh, commentating on what was going on. And I ended up doing this every 10K. Um, but the te first 10k was fine around 16k. They have DJs every 3k and Not one of the DJs did I like just the music and the just general vibe right because all of these DJs were like 40 plus which I guess is fine, but It was like a real try-hard DJ scene and You know some of them were playing party music, which is what you want other people were playing like Colombian uh, folk music and then, you know, some other people, there wasn't even um, 
uh, it wasn't even a DJ. It was a live band. It was like, I think at like 15K, there was like a hippie band playing drums and they weren't even watching us. They were just kind of jamming by themselves, which I also thought was fine. But DJ 17K, whoever you are, this dude had a smoke machine and a bubble machine blasting into our path. So this dude, right? He was probably 40. He looked like Tiesto. This dude, you know, got the call like, hey, we got a gig for you. You're playing Oslo Saturday in front of like, you know, they were probably like in front of 10,000, you know, thousands of people. He's like, fuck yeah, I'm going to bring all my shit. I'm going to bring with the DJ set, the headset, the best speakers, my smoke machine and my bubble machine. And no one fucking sanctioned that shit. So anyway, I thought that was hella annoying. It wasn't that bad because I saw it coming, so I kind of covered my mouth. But you know those like cheap-ass smoke machines that kind of taste like flour, right? Like they fill it with flour and some water maybe. So that's what that was about. And then the bubbles actually one of them got into my eye. But it was funny to see like the other people around me, like especially the older people, got like you could tell they were aggravated. Like they were pissed. Like when they ran through the smoke, they were like holding their eyes like, ah. Uh, but again, this DJ was like, he, I don't even think he knew we were running past him. Like he was just with his sunglasses on headset, just bumping his own tunes. So I mean, word up, but for sure don't do that next year. Um, yeah. So what else happened? So the whole race was two laps. So I actually ended up meeting him again. So like once you did the 21 K, you were back at the town hall and then you had to do the whole thing again, which I didn't know until the day before. And my first thought was like, oh, that's so depressing because you know, you get, because <laughs> when you get uh, halfway, you realize, like, fuck, I'm only halfway. And it was interesting, because when I did get halfway, it was the opposite. I was like, fuck, yeah, I'm halfway. Um, which I guess, I mean, is subjective, but that's at least how, how I felt. Uh, what else happened? Um, I talked to some people along the way. There were some military people. I talked to this uh, older lady who was, uh, yeah, there were a lot of people who flew in from places. So, you know, marathon runners I guess I mean you know I guess it's therapy for them I don't know like I met people who had like flown in from my Nigeria and uh, one guy from uh, Sri Lanka uh, a couple from Denmark and they were only there for the race and I just find that insane like you know that's kind of their vacation but but whatever uh what else happened I also saw this old so uh you know they fenced in the whole uh, um the whole race is all fenced in all through Oslo. So you run through Oslo. Uh, so you don't really have to think about where you're going. You just follow the crowd. And there's people running with you everywhere. And there's people um, there's people around the fences. And this one old lady uh, who I was running with for a while, she kind of had to stop and she started walking. And when she started walking, I swear to God, a um, like a beggar came up to her with a cup, you know, with coins. Because I think she thought she was a pedestrian because there were a bunch of like other people around the fences and people trying to cross. Right. So she probably didn't see the number or her tag on her chest. And uh, this poor old lady, like I could see her like almost grabbing for the cup and then realizing like, what the hell? Um, so, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. Just small intricacies like that during the race. It would have been hilarious if she chugged a dollar. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know if she finished. Uh, anyway halfway when I got halfway that was the furthest I've ever run I was feeling fine and um you know I didn't have my watch but I knew that I was ahead of 415 
and that I hadn't passed the four flag, right? So the guy with the four flag was way ahead of me. The guy with 415 was somewhere behind me. I couldn't see him. And my thought was like, I should probably stay here because I'm definitely going to have to take uh, go to the bathroom. You know, I'm definitely going to have to piss and maybe shit. And then I might also have to stop. So I wanted to be like, okay, I wanted to have a head start. And what ended up happening was that I never went to the bathroom. Honestly, I peed, I peed that morning before the race. And then I also peed. The next time I peed was like three or four hours after the race. Now, I'm not a doctor, but I guess you kind of just sweat it out, maybe? Because I drank a lot of water and gels, but I, I didn't have to pee. I, like, back and forth kind of had to pee, but then it went away, and, and yeah, and um, three of the gels I had had caffeine in them, and I don't drink coffee and really don't get, ca- I mean, caffeine in my system that much, so I took one of those and instantly had to shit, and that was, like, one of the worst parts of the race because I didn't want to stop. And you kind of have to, um, you know, keep it in for a K or two. And then that passed. So I ended up giving those gels to some other guy along the race because he was having a, tr- uh, a tough time. Uh, some guy was like, you know, he was like, I'm hungry. And I go, oh, try one of my gels. He, he took it. He felt better. And then when he caught up to me again, he's like, you want some of my pills? And he had like pills in his hand. And I go, no, what? What is that? And he goes, just take it. You'll feel better. And I was like, hell no. It's funny, like at a bar, maybe I would have said yes, but during a race, for some reason I said no. So I don't know what it was, but I found out afterwards that a common thing during a marathon is um, taking like Tylenol or uh, things to kind of, you know, paracetamols to like keep the pain down. Now, I don't know if that's what he had. It could have been something else. I don't know, but I wasn't about to take some pills from a stranger. <clears throat> That uh, would help me like imagine I took them and like instantly I just felt great like that wouldn't be cool like I just jogged gingerly into the finish line like no stress like I don't know what he's given me there was and there was no like no one's piss testing you or anything so you know probably probably a lot of people were jacked up too but I, I still think it's you know I don't think you need that shit to finish a marathon it's not you know it's not that crazy um, so I don't know. Let's fast forward to to 30K, you know, around 30. So my friends and, uh, you know, Matthias and Bendik and especially my Uncle John were saying that there's a huge difference between wanting a a 20K, which is half a marathon, and uh, the the point you get to after 3K, a 30K. So apparently that's like a, uh, you know, all bar line where it's like when you when you hit 30k, something happens, and I guess it's a scientific thing. I don't know. Uh, so I hit 30k, and I'm kind of nervous. I'm like, fuck, like what's gonna happen? And at this point, a 30k, my knees hurting, my Achilles is hurting, but it's not that bad, and I'm still keeping the same pace. But I'm starting to get uh, dizzy. I'm starting to like, I'm starting to, you know, when you drive a car and then suddenly you kind of wake up and you're like, holy shit, how did I get here? It was kind of like that. Like, I was like, where the fuck, like, where am I in Oslo? How, you know, how far have I run? I kind of, like, blacked out certain places. Also, because I was listening to to music. So, I was listening to music, and I also listened to uh, a podcast. I tried an audio book, but that shit was too lame. Uh, so, yeah, I, I was blacking out. And then suddenly I was at uh, 30, 30K, which means I had, like, 12 left to go. And I, I did a live stream, but I was feeling, I was feeling pretty shit, um, but... Yeah, I mean, at that point, I was thinking, okay, let's see what happens. So I remember at 32K, the pain 
almost I feel like doubled like it became really bad you know my legs but I knew like if it was ligament damage I would have stopped but at that point I got pretty I started feeling the pain but you know I kept the pace and I then I started seeing people just drop off so from 32 to like 38 I saw people I saw a lady faceplant like I saw a lady go from straight running or jogging to not even like slowing down and stopping she just just hit the curb this was going uphill and then you know people just started kind of like deteriorating and uh you know i could i understood why because i could i was like shit we're around that time and i could feel it but i just people started falling behind right and i started passing a lot of people so again i kind of like you know i'm very tired and i really don't know where i am and i start thinking like shit like what is the time and where the fuck are the flags i was like did 415 run past me like where am i so i'm i'm really not getting what you know how i'm doing and around and the pain is like building up so around 36 kilometers i believe i did meet some friends by the way or i by the way i met some friends by the way by the race along the race I think I met them at 30. Yeah, they were, they saw me at like 32 or something, which uh, was a pretty bad point, but I smiled when I ran past them. Um, so around 36, I call my friend, Bendik, because I don't know where I am. So I think in my mind that I might have ran the wrong way because we were, uh, some places you were running next to people who were like uh, an hour behind you. And, you know, they'd marked it off with, like, these cones. But you could tell because you'd, you'd see, like, a flag guy with, like, 530. Like, uh, well, not run past you, but you would run past him. Um, and so, yeah, anyway, I, 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 was, I was nervous. I was like, I don't know where I am. I'm really tired. Like, at, and also at this point, there was no way I could stop. At this point, all of my limbs were so painful and my muscles that I, if I were to stop to, like, drink water or whatever, go to the bathroom. I'm pretty sure there's no way I could like re-energize my body. Uh, so I'm just like, okay, 36, there's like six kilometers left. I just got to do this. But I was getting nervous. I didn't know where I was. So I call my friend Bendik and I go, I go, can you look at, uh, you know, can you look at the live tracking? Because I don't know where I am. I go, what's my time? And he goes, what are you talking about? You're doing great. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, your time right now is four four oh five or something. And let me go back a little bit. So right before this, I meet the tiger guy. This is what fucked me up. This is what fucked me up. I meet the tiger guy who I thought was running at four, right? So I catch up to him and I'm like, fuck yeah, like I'm actually doing really good. And he's dying, right? He's dying. And I go, what's up? And he's like, oh, it's too hot, blah, blah, blah. And I go, do you know what time it is? Like, what pace are we at? And he tells me at this pace we'll get in by 4.20. And I still had 10K to go. So I was like, oh, shit. So I told him I should probably run faster, right? Because, like, I got to get in by 4.25, and I'm probably going to deteriorate at the end. He's like, yeah, you do that. So I run past him, and the next thing I see at 36, I kind of black out a little bit, and I run past the four-hour four flag. And that's when I called my friend because I go, I don't know where I am. This guy says I'm at 420. There's a four flag behind me um, and whatever. And he just says, you are you are on your way to do this in like 405, right? Or four, I think. 
And uh, I go, no shit. I hang up and I smile for the next 500 meters maybe. And um, and a lot of the pain went away. Because uh, at that point, I was calculating in my head that, okay, there's there's six kilometers left. I can walk the rest in 25 minutes and still make the time. And I thought about that for a second. And then I thought, no. I would like to smash this time. Um, so it went from smiling to just bite your teeth down and then and then power through. And, and uh, up until that point, the thing that had motivated me, because I'm not really that self-motivated, the thing that had motivated me to run that, that, you know, the race was I was picturing my friends' faces doubting me, right? But at this point, I couldn't picture their faces anymore because I knew I was going to beat the time. So I had this problem. I was like, what what's going to push me through this now? except for the fact that I really want to, you know, just smash this time as much as I can. And what I did was that I looked at people running next to me, and this is kind of mean, but I would look at them and kind of judge them and, and compare them and be like, there's no way this, you know, 45-year-old man's going to beat me, or there's no way this, you know, younger lady's going to beat me, or I, there was this one guy running in a full spandex suit. I was like, there's no way. So that uh, kind of pushed me through. And, uh, yeah, fuck, I ended up... Um, I ended up, uh, my, my mom met me at like 40. I didn't even know she was coming. There was just old, this lady, um, screaming around like 41, uh, saying, you're going to do it. You're going to do it. And I kind of woke up a little bit. And then honestly, after that, it's all hazy. Like I was so tired that I like kind of remember passing the finish line. And, but I, I really just remember seeing her at 41 kilometers and then like kind of being at the end you know, finished with the medal around my neck and like standing with my mother and like my friends, uh, and me talking. So, so I, I, de I don't, I didn't like blackout, but I really do not. It's very hazy. Uh, and I actually did a live stream <laughs> from my Facebook, uh, in that event or that group after I passed the finish line. And I, I really don't remember press pressing, uh, pressing play. Uh, but yeah, I got in at, uh, just under four hours. And, um, yeah, they can all suck my dick, especially when two friends at work. Uh, I could not have run a second faster. Like, there's no way. And, um, you know, I gave everything at the end. I think I got in at, like, 3.59, 30-something. And uh, I didn't know my time until they told me because maybe there was a time at the at the finish line, but, you know, I didn't see it or I don't remember seeing it. I just knew that I'm, I was pretty sure I was in front of this four four hour guy, but you know I I did I did surprise myself a bit I guess I mean originally I said I'm pretty you know if you can do a half marathon in a time just times it by two and it'll be mental and it really was like the last ten or twelve twelve k was not a physical thing like after thirty k like your your legs are gone. Um, and you start running like an old lady, right? So the mindset was just like lift my foot as little as I can or have to and then shove it forward. I remember thinking just lift it up as, as, as small, as little as you have to and shove it forward. So you end up kind of running like, you know, with this weird style because you can't really put too much weight on your legs either because they're just jello. The muscles are jello. The joints are just pulsating. Um... So yeah, I'd say like up until 30, 30K, it's, it's physique. And then after that, it's, you know, 
it's kill or be killed. It's like, all right, 12 more K, Roger, dat. You really just got to go. And then you just got to find some, you know, motivating factor. You know, I had my dumbass friends to, to motivate me because, um, you know, I don't like, especially them doubting me. Definitely the way they did it, too. You know, there was a lot of smirky attitudes and, and laughing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's how it went down. And, uh, uh, when you get, uh, what else happened? Yeah. When you pass the finish line, I do remember like a doc, as soon as I pass the finish line, a doctor comes to you. So they have doctors there and a doctor came up to me and I think she like checked my eye real quick and she, she touched me like somewhere. I think she took my pulse and then she like asked me, she, she was talking to me. She was asking me questions and I was just like, oh, go away, go away. I kind of just pushed her away. Uh, and then, and then the kids give you the medals because at this point, no one wants to socialize. Like no one's, you know, no one wants to give hugs to people at the finish line. Like you're, you're dead. Right. So the doctor, you push the doctor away and then you get the medal from some kid who's like, congratulations. Uh, and then you go further down, you know, down the, the, the marked road. And then there's, um, there are these people uh, giving you water and, and, um, and, you know, stuff to eat. And, you know, you just grab everything cause you're so hungry. Uh, and yeah, and then, yeah, I don't really remember. I just kind of like d dabbled around and then I guess my friends found me and, uh, for the first, uh, I, I don't remember the, the things we talked about for the first uh, couple of minutes, but, um, my mom called me the day after and she said, uh, she said for the first like two minutes, like I, I couldn't talk. I was just breathing heavily. And then finally I said, uh, I looked at her and I go, uh, I'd said that, uh, mom, I'm, I'm never fucking doing that again. <laughs> Which uh, I really do stand by now. I mean, it was fun, and it was it was fun that it became such a uh, such a, I mean, I guess a cool event like with my friends. But uh, there's no way I'm doing that again. Like it really did suck. And and the only way I would do it again, honestly, the only way I would do it again is if one of those two, Matias and Bendik, would do it and beat my time, or Eric, my twin. If 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 he did it and beat that time, I I guess I would have to do it again. Cause I guess that would, that would motivate me. But other than that, yeah, there's, uh, there's no way. And, um, uh, yeah, what else happened? So uh, also when you get to the finish line, like my, all of my, my, my leg muscles were like pulsating and they were vibrating and I felt like I couldn't stand still or something bad would happen. Cause I really had never been this wrecked. And, uh, so I was this one guy. I was like, what do I do? Like, I can't stand still and I don't want to walk around. And this one guy says, uh, you should stretch. And I stretched honestly for one second. I stretched my calf and my whole calf muscle shot up under my knee, which I guess what happens when you get a like extreme cramp. I don't know. I've never gotten a cramp before, but it shot up under my knee. So like you, there was just skin and bone where my calf is. And then this whole thing was just like kind of under my, you know, below my knee. And that was very painful. And then, uh, you know, I was kind of like, what do I do? And then I just put my leg back out and it, it kind of slid back down. Uh, which at that point I said, well, fuck that. I'm not, I'm not stretching anymore. So I didn't stretch. I stretched for one second after the race and I didn't stretch anymore. And then I just constantly walked around, uh, went and ate, ate a bunch of candy, bought myself some snooze. Uh, went home, took a shower, and uh, then I actually went out. I went uh, to my friend's house party, and uh, I had a beer, a beer or uh, or three, and some whiskey, and then I ended up falling asleep. 
basically at this party with his dogs on the couch at like 12 and then I went home and uh, I thought I would get a good night's sleep but I did not because I would constantly wake up because of my muscles kind of twitching or I would like yeah uh, and the next day was was more pain then the day after was was, ve- was was pain like I could walk up and down stairs but it was very painful and went very very slowly so uh, the friends I was with you know they were kind of pissed because they didn't want to wait for me so they they carried me up and down the stairs. So the second day was, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it was bad. But it was just like, you were just super stiff. Like, uh, you know, like after you work out, like, you know, you haven't worked out for months and then you just destroy your chest or your, your legs or whatever. And, uh, you know, the next day you're really feeling it. It was like that just times 10. So like I had trouble walking. I was walking kind of like a moron because, yeah, because like, you couldn't you can't really control your muscles so like i had to take breaks and every time i sat down i had to like pull myself up like i could not get up from a chair if i didn't use my arms like i, I there was no way i was using my legs um yeah what else happened that day yeah i just kind of walked around and then i was afraid that the the day after would be worse like 2 days after kind of like when you work out it's usually you know you're usually more stiff a couple days after um but uh, I wasn't. Two days after, I was fine. And now it's been five days. My muscles are good. I got a massage two days ago, which was painful as shit, but really nice. The, the lady was like, have you been running? She was from Poland. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I told her. I said, uh, I ran this goddamn marathon. And um, my, you know, my, she's like, your muscles are rock. And I go, I know. Can you fix them? And she was a physiotherapist for some soccer team back in Poland. So she knew exactly what to do. But it was painful. But I guess... You know, a good massage is supposed to be painful. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, five days later, honestly, the aftermath, so, you know, aftermath was just, you know, two days of kind of walking strange like a retard. And um, and after that, like, day three, like, I was walking fine. I've been eating a lot and sleeping. Like, that's brutal. I've been sleeping a lot. So, you know, you I guess you drain your body a lot. So I've been sleeping, like, 12 hours a day. And just eating a shit ton of food. Like, I guess I'm trying... Like, my body's trying to compensate for all the energy I drained. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, physically, I've definitely been deteriorated after it. But not as bad as I thought. Uh, psychologically, I've been great. Almost never better. So, because... You know. I've definitely... I definitely have a more cocky attitude after the race. Especially towards my friends that, d- that doubted me. But uh, I noticed... Yeah, I noticed that that uh, I I kind of get the whole runner's high thing because you do kind of feel. I mean, I certainly felt high as in drug high during the race because you were just all drowsy because you were you're tired. But honestly, after the race, like physically, I've been shit. But yeah, like in my mind, I, I've I've felt pretty pretty good, almost too good. I've done some weird things. Like I feel I I arch my back a little bit more these past couple days. Like I walk. A bit more uh, royally, if I may say. Uh, so I definitely got a kind of douchebaggy, cocky uh, posture, uh, which is, uh, you know, has to ha- you know has to do with the fact that I did this marathon and marathon and smashed the uh, the time. And then, uh, what else have I done? I've just done weird, kind of super confident things. My confidence has been very, very high after this. Like for example, I I was gonna. Th- text this girl 
because I wanted to, uh, you know, hang out. And instead of just sending a normal reply, I, I like texted her in old English because I guess my confidence was so high that I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can like ask a girl out in, in Shakespearean. So this is straight up like what I wrote, wrote to her. I have it right here. And, you know, just met her a couple times, really never texted. I write, <laughs> hear thee, hear thee. Thou shall play thy sport called tennis with me this week. Thou shall play thy sport called tennis with me this week. Did she reply? Nah. Did she see the text? Oh, yeah. Has she replied now after 24 hours? No. Because, I mean, who the fuck writes that? And in her defense, when you hear it, like when you hear someone speak Shakespearean, if this even is Shakespearean, I don't really know what the fuck this is, but, you know, hear thee, hear thee. Uh, you know, uh, hearing it is, is fine, but reading it, like me texting this, like, because, so after, you know, today I was like, oh, she didn't reply. So I checked and I was like, oh, she's seen it, but she hasn't replied. And then I'm reading it. I was like, what the fuck did I write? And like, I wrote this and I know what I was trying to write, but me, you know, reading it again, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, how do you, how do you type hear thee, hear thee, thou shall play thy sport called tennis? Like. Um, so luckily that, I mean, hopefully that'll fade because that's 100% has, you know, it's a direct correlation with, with the confidence boost I've gotten after this, uh, this marathon. Um, and of course, you know, at work, my two colleagues that started this whole thing, I never would have done this without them. So I guess I got to thank them, but, uh, they actually did not come to work on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. They showed up, uh, today. One of them showed up yesterday. And, uh, you know, they say that they were out uh, on business for work, which is a theory. It's a valid theory. But there's another theory, rumor going around that they just couldn't, sh you know, they couldn't show up. What are you going to do? For over a year, you've been blasting, laughing, inviting people, making a big thing, making a big show. About how there is no fucking way Andre's going to be able to do it within this time. And I just smashed that shit. So I believe they uh, they quit. Well, that was my belief on Monday and Tuesday that uh, they quit and, you know, work because they couldn't really see me. Because I think they when they when they would see me, they, they would see themselves in my eyes and just see the, the negligence, um, you know, in the reflection uh, but uh, they did show up today, and uh, it was a bit weird. And I am being a complete dick towards them, like with everything I do and say. You know, I asked them to make my lunch today. You know, they said no, but I said, you know. Um, so that's fun. We're gonna we're gonna do um, we're gonna do a podcast next week. Uh, me and the two of them. It'll be Norwegian. That's why I thought I'd do this uh solo in English. But we're gonna uh, we're gonna do one with them, <laughs> and we're gonna hear what they have to say because we haven't spoken about it. Here's the thing: one of them, I've spoken to him about it, you know, and he was because he was at the finish line. And he was like, "What the actual fuck?" Um, and he had to, you know, he was, you know, he was awestruck. He didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. I was, you know, 
And uh, when we were eating later that day after the marathon, he was like, he's like, either I have to admit that an average person can do this, which was what I was trying to prove, or I have to admit that you're a unicorn. And I'm happy with both of those. Uh, and I guess he, he, did, he did conclude that um, I didn't represent the average person. So um, he calls me Mr. Cron now. Mr. Cron, Mr. Corn, Mr. Uni, Mr. Unicron. Which I'm totally fine with. Um, yep. That's about it. That is the story of the marathon. Uh, not doing it again. And uh, if anyone um, feels inspired, don't be. And that's not what we were trying to do. Oh, and on a last note, I said, uh, so if I, uh, I had an incentive if I uh, beat the time 4.15, Bendik would have to donate money to a charity of my choosing, and I have fucking chosen one. So Bendik will be symbolically adopting Chizai, a brown panda, the only brown panda in the world in Fupal Valley in China. So as you know, all pandas are owned by China. If you ever see a panda in a zoo uh, anywhere, they're just on loan. So countries or zoos can loan, lend, uh, you know, pay China money, the government, to, to have a panda. But all pandas are owned by them so, them, so most of the pandas are over there, and they're all in Chengdu. And there's one panda, brown panda, who is an outcast. He was betrayed by his parents. Well, he was just cast away because they're like, what the fuck? He's not, he's fluffy, and he's white, but he's not black. He's brown. Chizai and uh, Bendik will be uh, donating a sum of money that will directly impact his life, which I guess just means, you know, getting cuddled with, eating bamboozle, and, uh, you know, trying to make him have sex, because I know that's a problem over there. They're too lazy to have sex. Uh, so congratulations, Bendik and Chi. Uh, we're going to finalize this um, next week and uh, they send you a postcard with a picture of Chi with his you know new daily treats that you, your money probably paid for uh, so that makes me feel real good and in a sense this did become a charity run uh, originally I was running for those who can but um, but it did become a charity run so um, so thank you Bendik uh, and thank you Matias for uh, not believing in me and make me do this because now after five days I, I feel pretty good that that I did it but uh Absolutely fucking not doing that again. Absolutely not. All right, people. That's all I had to say. The story behind the Le Marathon is complete. Bye. Hmm?